What's going on, Sharp Football Fantasy family? It is your resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar, and we have made it week 16, knocking on the doorstep of the fantasy finals. And it's Christmas time. Happy holidays to everybody. Uh, and to unwrap our first gift of the day, I brought on one of the best guests. He, his podcast, when he comes on the show, they do the best numbers of any guest. He has the huge following. It's Matt Harmon from Reception Perception. He's taking time. Listen, you're podcasting with Austin Eckler. You're podcasting with my guy, Arthur Juan, uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> you're, you're doing it, man. Uh, I'm so happy with the success that you found. We were talking a little bit before the show about how long we've been doing this. And, you know, I had you on a chat, Scott, back in the day. Uh, oh, man. When we, when we didn't even know what we were doing. And look at you, brother, man. I love it. I love to see it. Hey, buddy, I, I appreciate you having me, number one, uh, and, and giving me way too much uh, credit in the intro. But uh, I do appreciate you. And, and yeah, we've been doing this forever. The um, what, faked goods, right, with, with yeah, Chad. I mean, that, that was, those shows, <laughs> we literally just I, – I could still remember Chad at one point just uh, – I think it was uh, the – the 2015 or 2016 draft or something like I rem- I can remember doing the show from like various different LA apartments actually even one Virginia apartment that was it was that long ago it was before I lived in LA and just at one point I remember I could still distinctly hear Chad's voice saying like oh my god you guys are crushing this right now like because we were just going back and forth on all these all these guys that probably never became anything you know but oh, no. so deep in all these random prospects so yeah man it has been a long time it's been a it's been a fun uh fun journey for sure and I, i've been i've been loving what i'm doing this year uh probably probably busier than ever but enjoying what i'm doing ever uh, more than ever so i, I i'm very very thankful that uh, i've gotten to have a, a fun year for sure can, can i put you on a spot non-austin who is your favorite guest uh, that came on the, the podcast who's your favorite of the guys Ooh, that's a that's a good one um i think i think the best interview well i guess you know for me obviously i love when the wide receivers come on uh because mm-hmm. i get to kind of like nerd out with guys like cd lamb and and obviously steph diggs that comes has been on the show multiple times so it's always good to have him but I would say the probably the, the best interview, like the cool, like the guy who launched up the 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 good guy rankings after the show was definitely Jonathan Taylor. Um, because number one, mo- this is a little bit how the sausage is made. Most of these guys come on because they're promoting something. Yeah, like uh, you know, they're <laughs> Josh was there for the my cause my cleats thing. Uh, AJ Brown was there with um old spice you know that type of stuff uh but jonathan taylor just wanted to come on the show he's like i, I just want to come like come on the show and talk to you guys and he was so nice so cool um and was really into uh, him and austin are kind of on the same page about how they're into fantasy and how they how they see the benefits of it and that's always really cool to hear um especially a younger guy like that say like yeah i mean i have all these fans that aren't like colts fans they're jonathan taylor fans because you know fantasy and stuff like that so i thought that was a and he was very honest about like the Jeff Saturday stuff too, which was, which was crucial at the time we had him on. So I would say that my favorite guest was probably him. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, we love to see the, the players embracing, you know, fantasy football too. Now we still can't, you can't be tweeting players still, you know, no. we can't have the Miles Sanders thing like we had last week, you know, we yeah. still can't, we can't have that on the Twitter streets, but you love to see the embracement of it. Uh, you know, I did hint too, that it is, it is Christmas time. You know, we are, it's December 22nd recording this. Uh, I, I have to ask, uh, do, do you have a, a throwback, like favorite like fantasy uh not fantasy uh, a, a christmas gift that you got something that just remembers like you remember a christmas moment were you uh were you a kid that tried to sneak and find the gifts the coolest <laughs> thing that my uh my parents did growing up though was like having all the gifts out so that as like a kid you just like it was an eruption moment you know like because you go to this you go to that you go to this you go to that um i think the coolest thing that uh they ever got us was uh this ping pong table when i was a kid and but because I was such a dork, um, I actually barely like the first day didn't play any uh, any ping pong on it. I used it as like a like a, I got this also this big like battleship uh, action figure thing, like a whole big set. So I used it as like a, a, a naval yeah, yeah. base type of thing. I can remember like the little bar underneath it. I remember docking the ships there. So, yeah, oh man, I mean, I, I got a lot of good Christmas memories, but for some reason that one stands out to me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going through it now with uh, with with my kids because I've got them all on different spectrums. Yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, my oldest, I have 17 year old, a 10 year old, and a six year old. So it's all like, like, hey man, watch what you're saying around them, watch what you're doing. But I mean, I remember me and my sister going through, and 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 I found uh, 
you know, I was a huge 49ers fan as a kid and finding the 49ers starter coat, the pullover one. They had like the pouch in the front. Oh, that's thinking it was like the coolest thing ever. But then I remember too, like at that time, like being so excited. But then like I also didn't like open it on Christmas. And like now I've totally shifted like my whole life view. It's like I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to know anything. I love to be surprised. Uh, when you get older, it's something that, that it that it clicks in. It's it's like, yeah, I just want to be surprised and know these what things. do you ask for like a, as an adult? Um oh, I'm a big kid, man. I get I'm the easiest one. I get at the most toys. I get the oh. I still at my age. I mean, look at this office around me. I've got nothing but toys True. and comic book stuff. And uh so I'm the easiest one. I'm the, the biggest kid. My wife will never get rid of me. So uh she's that's good though. She's that that makes me. you so much easier to shop for. Uh because <laughs> I find it to be like really do, like what do, what do i want for christmas i want stuff i could use all the time like uh oh yeah see i'm the opposite i don't need tools or anything it's cool if you do give me that stuff but like i'll go buy that stuff on my own right like i want to get like actual presents uh that is cool no, you're, you're you're much easier than i am in, in that case that's uh, yeah that's i'm huge into tabletop that. gaming so i've been I, i'm always into games and stuff too but uh all right yes yeah, so we'll talk about some football for some people uh reception reception thriving the site is still fantastic we were originally scheduled to have you on when you posted the mid-season rookie report like you do every year uh we had some scheduling conflicts uh, between both of us and had to re kick this thing down the line but uh, i do want to kind of go back a- and visit some of these rookies and have a conversation about a couple of these guys um and then you also let me pick out a couple guys that you personally charted for this show and we air quotes called them goofballs they definitely were uh so we will definitely get into those goofballs, goofballs too <laughs> but uh i do want to circle back to this rookie class because we've had another really good rookie class and since you've actually posted this uh, a few more rookies have surged along the way here um but i do want to talk about a couple of these guys and probably the first guy i want to talk about that i think is gonna be a big fulcrum point for people this offseason in dynasty and redraft is drake london uh you know we've, we've got drake london in this system like everyone's been upset with kyle pitt's usage the, the the past two years you know arthur smith has designed a really great run game for atlanta i mean you even see like last week they run on everybody um mm-hmm. and, and you got drake london with like these great metrics that like the the underlying stat nerds we love like the the target per route run and the team target share but we don't have really a lot of these box score stuffing games from drake london so I'm curious to see how gamers will treat him in the offseason. But get under the hood on Drake London a little bit, the player. And while he may be disappointing from a box score, uh, how about from a talent perspective and a performance perspective? Yeah, I, I really love Drake London, the player. I loved him as a prospect. And I really, um, especially right away early on in his rookie season, it was so evident that this guy had superstar type talent uh, from, from the jump. But I'll say this, Rich. Uh, I know that you, you said that, Arthur Smith has designed a great run game, a very productive run game. I would also argue that he has designed a really good passing game as well. Like when you watch this passing game on film, it's, it's great stuff. And I know that everybody hates the Olamide Zacchaeus plays and the Demir bird plays and stuff like that. And it's, but those plays do work. Those plays have been efficient uh, for the most part. It's just not going to the guys that we want, which, you know, I certainly think you can pick nits at, right. Um, They are, they do, do some really cool stuff with Kyle Pitts when he was healthy. They just have not had like legit. I think Mariota has been probably the worst starting quarterback, like non Zach Wilson division. Uh, You know, like (laughs) Zach Wilson's not a real NFL quarterback. So like he's not included in this, but Mariota was definitely uh, bad when he was in there. Desmond Ritter didn't look much better in his first start, but of course his first start, he might improve, but I think the bones of that passing game are really good. So I think that's another feather in Drake London's cap. If they can get a legit quarterback back there, that there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of meat on the bone uh, for this passing game, but Drake London individually, when you look at him in reception perception, you know, there was the narrative in the off season during draft season. Well, is he not really a separator? Cause he has all of these contested catch opportunities in college. I didn't find that to be true uh, at, the collegiate level and it's certainly not true at the nfl level among the rookies that were sampled for the rookie report drake london was third in success or second in success rate versus man coverage third in success rate versus press coverage and second in success rate versus zone coverage i mean he is right up there with garrett wilson and chris olave in terms of all three of those metrics and i mean we know that wilson and olave already look like nfl star receivers i think drake london obviously first one drafted so it's not like going out there on a limb or whatever but i think he is right there in terms of his ability he definitely is not a a deep speed guy i know that people will still criticize that part of it like can you be an elite wide receiver if you don't have deep vertical speed sure that's that's a you know question i guess worth asking but 
man, he gets open so easily on underneath routes. He looked like a pro technician. His his game against the Saints in week one, mm-hmm. you know, again, right away from the jump, that was one of the most impressive games I've, I looked at for any any rookie wide receiver this year. Uh, I think he definitely has all the tools available to be like a star level player. Yeah, I'm going to be real curious to see if like he gets kind of treated like a uh probably even worse than Devonte smith did this offseason because mm. obviously you know Devonte smith had i think a, a little more running counting stats and and maybe more spike weeks than drake london had so people were still optimistic on his performance obviously they brought in you know aj brown and that kind of moved him down a little bit but i don't think the falcons even when they add a wide receiver are going to add a guy like aj brown mm. uh that caliber so i think there's definitely some run out here because I'm, I'm you know just trying to use like my my third eye and see like where things are going to go in drafts i don't know no one wants to think about next year's drafts but i imagine he's going to be a guy that like probably still doesn't push like really greatly into like the top 30 wide receivers and as a second year player that is successful and you did bring up the the passing and things and you're right you know and you look at the falcons they've had so many guys open downfield this year that were just errant throws and if you can just find someone to connect on some of these throws, there is splash playability in this offense as well. So I did, you don't, you don't want to take away uh, from Arthur Smith. I don't want to cut him short a little bit in the job he's done. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you brought up Olave and Garrett Wilson. Obviously, we haven't really got to see Jamison Williams, you know, that old Ohio State crew. Yeah. Uh, Olave's, you know, basically hit the ground running, was elevated in as the wide receiver one for the Saints early through injuries. Uh, he's tapered off a little bit here, and, you know, he's got this hamstring he's dealing with. Uh, Garrett Wilson, he and Chris Lobby are going to basically be compared forever, right? Like they're going to always be kind of like one, a one B like people's minds because they came out together from the same college. Uh, but kind of talk about those two guys. Is there, do you have a preference between the two? I know that they're both, you know, good, but do you have a preference of like, which guy do you think has like more superstar potential? Well, number one, I think they both have superstar potential. I think um, we just did an episode on uh, reception perception, the show recently where we uh, James Coe and I went through like the wide receiver superstar penthouse, which is what we called it. And, you know, (laughs) I think there are right now there are seven, maybe eight guys in the NFL that I think are legitimate superstars. It's it's obviously Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. uh, And then I, I threw I threw DeAndre Hopkins in there. I was a little like, um, I'm forgetting somebody now off the top of my head, but I, I, and then I threw DeAndre Hopkins in there as sort of like, "Eh, he's kind of, is he about to age out type of thing? I know, Mm -hmm. again, I know I'm missing somebody off the top of my head there, but there was, there was eight guys we considered. And then like, who were the next guys ready to rise up? I didn't want to put, and either any of these rookies in there. Cause like, I just would like to see more than one season from them. But I think that, um, I think all three of these guys, the top three guys, Drake London included in that group have showed potential in their rookie season to potentially at the end of next year, we're talking about them as no doubt set it for for Tyreek Hill was the seventh one that I forgot. Um, They're no doubt set and forget it. They're superstar wide receivers. Now, if you're comparing Olave and Wilson together, and I hate that you're making you don't I, I don't like to pick between the two. I know, so but you got to so great, but I have to. Um, I, I'm in a di- say I'm in a dynasty league in the first round, and I just got both these guys on the board. Who are we taking? Yeah, I think, <laughs> and it's funny too because all three of these guys you can't even really use like quarterback as a tiebreaker because nope. all three of them have long-term quarterback <laughs> questions uh you can't be like oh well you know what i'll go with olave because he's got you know andy dalton uh <laughs> give me a break uh so i actually think though if you're picking between the two i'll give a slight nod to garrett wilson here because and uh olave was my favorite route runner in the class coming in he remains like my my favorite in that regard because he's just so technically refined but um he was the only guy when if you look at the rookie report on receptionperception.com the only one that had an all green route tree like a successful an above average success rate on every single route he's still that guy and i know that there's a few folks like uh question is he a number one receiver like give me a break he definitely has all the the traits for number one but Garrett Wilson dude he just like moves different uh even even the first like couple of games where he popped on the NFL scene my comparison for him was like you know how everybody is all gassed up about Kadarius Tony and like oh wow Kadarius Tony's great player look at him mm-hmm. in the open field Garrett Wilson is like if Kadarius Tony could actually run NFL routes that's <laughs> what Garrett Wilson is yeah he's always <laughs> a real wide receiver you'd be Garrett Wilson so um I think the way that Wilson is not all the way tightly screwed as a um, as a technician, like there's still some growth there, and yet he was still number one among the rookies charted for success rate in man and press coverage. 
I think because of that, he does show that legit superstar t- potential. I, I, I'll give him the slight nod over Olave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyone that could produce with Zach Wilson in games, uh, and you could, yeah. Garrett Wilson has not hid the frustration with Zach Wilson no. on the field at all. Which I love that, by the way. I, I'm so, uh, I, I know that like different, you know, certain guys, it's, it's like, come on, give me a break. But, um, when you just are wearing your emotions on your sleeve like that, uh, that's always, I'm always a fan of that with wide receivers. Cause I promise I'm feeling that emotion on, on, on my end. So it's nice to see them uh, wear it as well. Yeah. Yeah. As fantasy gamers as well. I was a wide receiver too. So it's like, I, I was like, Hey man, you only get a few opportunities, man. If I'm open, I want that rock, man. You got to get it. Right. <laughs> right. You that's what people it. forget is like, it's so frustrating. Um, you run like as a wide receiver, you run like what 30, 35 routes in a yep. game, something like that. You you're lucky if you get eight balls thrown your way. Yes. And these guys, you're lucky. You're, these guys, I promise you, even if and, and and that's another thing too that we forget as well that with like passing concepts, great, great example is Drake London. Like a lot of his assignments are in some of these plays are just clear clear it out clear it out for old number 17 olamide zacchaeus get him get him wide open on that dig route like even if you don't get open on yep. that that nine route nobody's throwing you the ball You're, marcus mariota is not throwing you the ball on that nine route okay but if you clear this thing out we're gonna get a big gain so then when the when it's when it's actually your time to run that dig route when it's actually your time to to be the number one primary read like you think you're supposed to be. And then you're getting Zach Wilson, you know, bunny hopping, skipping that thing your way. Yeah. You're going to be pissed for sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, another player that I think is going to be interesting, the conversation that's had this year, because I feel like there's a glass half full glass, half empty take on uh, both sides is George Pickens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming out, I think that was the, the case coming out of college too, right? I mean, you, you had this four-star recruit, uh, was awesome, uh, early, early at Georgia had hit, I remember still his, his bowl game, you know, at, at, at age 18, we're just yeah. absolutely smashed. Uh, then he go, goes through injuries, still goes in the second round, you know, everyone looks at the upside and he's had like moments this year. Um, he's also dealt with some quarterback play stuff too, but he, he's also just like, also not really commanded a lot of targets and not really it seems like he only gets targets really on like one kind of route. Um, so yeah. I'm curious to hear what your opinion is on the play of, of George Pickens this year. Yeah, I'm I'm a little mixed on Pickens, but let me first just say about the Steelers offense. I think this is the <laughs> worst. <laughs> it was, it was like the other lead and you had like, let me tell you something, children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something, kids. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is by far the worst designed offense in the entire NFL is Matt Canada's Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And that's saying something because there's a lot of trash offenses out there, but this offense is so um there's it's so go route heavy, which is another mm-hmm. thing with George Pickens. Like, you know, 33.3% of his routes in the rookie report were were go routes. So that definitely is going to depress your overall success rates because mm-hmm. You're, you're running more difficult routes and and they, they have the same route tree assignments for for Deontay Johnson too and it's actually weird that the one thing they've changed up this year um you know everybody's talking about Deontay Johnson and like all the, the little like slant routes the screens the um just like little drag routes across the middle of the field they've actually cut those out of the offense a lot and they run a lot of like curl they run a lot of hitches like a lot of short hitches stuff like that Pickens runs a lot of hitches as well 20 percent of his routes are are hitches uh, curl, curl routes in the in the rookie report a lot of outbreak it's like basically out routes curl routes and go routes and that's it which is weird rich because like if you're if you're an offense and you want to beat man coverage like you know single high stuff like that yeah you're gonna run go routes you're gonna run hitches the little co- quick comeback stuff like that you're gonna break you do those outbreaking routes but those routes kind of kind of are brutal when you're trying to beat zone coverage defenses any any mm-hmm. sort of like cover two stuff like that and that's what most of the league runs right now like every, what is yeah what's the league average for like zone coverage it's it's well over it's like, like it's like 74 percent this year exactly. it's all time it's all time high man coverage is the lowest that in the true media database that that teams have used man coverage this year exactly and i feel like this offense is is well designed to beat like 2015-16 defenses stuff like that but it's not really well designed to beat um 
defense defenses right now. I think that's an important note because I have said with the Steelers wide receivers in particular, any stat that comes out of the Steelers wide receivers, it's <laughs> fake. It's not real. You have to just throw it in the trash and like put an asterisk by it. You know, Deontay Johnson's like yards per target, stuff like that. You got to put an asterisk by it because he's playing in a fake offense. And I think it's somehow even worse. It's It's more poorly designed than it was during the last few years of Ben Roethlisberger. I actually kind of feel, I never thought I'd say this. I actually kind of feel bad that I gave Ben, uh, Big Ben, so much crap his last few years because I think it was pro- his diminished skill set was a problem. But I think the offense uh, and the design of it is actually a bigger problem than whoever whoever is playing quarterback back there. So I'm hoping the Steelers make a change at offensive coordinator this offseason, if you can't tell. Uh, but in Pickens individually, um, yeah, I, I think I'm sort of like kind of in the middle on George Pickens. I think he's shown great flashes. I mean, his his route tree is very highly successful as well. Uh, I think he can separate on more than just go routes. Like he can get open on slants. I, I love I love his ability off the line against press coverage. He was one of the best be- press coverage beaters uh, among the prospects when they were charted, and that remained true oh, uh, as a as a rookie receiver as well. Um, you know, he, we're looking at him uh, right now in the rookie report at 73.7% success rate versus press, which is actually pretty similar to what he was as a prospect. So, you know, definitely a bully, definitely physical. Uh, I think he can profile, he profiles as like a true X receiver. Um, definitely not, but he's a guy that can get more separation, I think, than he's given credit for, but we just got to, I'm again, I'm kind of in the middle and that I don't think he is, I think the, the the he's like a little become a little bit overrated just by highlight bias if you know what I mean because his catches are so outrageous. I think he's somewhere not quite at that level, uh, but maybe just a few a few notches south. But that's uh, no disrespect. I think he's a very good player. Yeah, George Pickens uh, per True Media this year has run 186 go routes. Uh, the next closest rookie, Chris Olave, is at 108. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty massive difference here. Um, I, I didn't have this dude on the show sheet, but, you know, looking at the reception perception charts, um, a guy that's actually show, shows out pretty well uh, near George Pickens and a lot of these, you know, components is Alec Pierce. Uh, you know, Alec Pierce is a guy that doesn't even have a catch in three of his past five games. Uh, yeah. You're telling me, you're telling me, pal, I had like a, I would have come away with like 500 bucks on, uh, on Saturday if he had just cleared 30 yards or something like that. Uh, but that didn't, didn't work out. Yeah. He was a popular DFS guy too, because of where the Vikings get beat. But, uh, yep. when, when you good on that whole diatribe about the Steelers offense, how was it watching the 2022 Indianapolis Colts offense? <laughs> oh, it's a real, it's a real treat, Rich. Uh, no, Alec Pierce is, is one of my favorite, uh, players to talk about because, and I posted this on Twitter, you know, a long time ago. I think you could probably like look at the hashtag reception perception and still find it. If you're that, that curious about this, but his success rate by route chart as a college player and his in-season sample is remarkably similar. I mean, it's it, he only wins on nine routes, post routes, and slant routes, and really, that's literally it. Everything. Hey man, I mean, good out, what you're good at. Yeah, he is good at what he's good at. <laughs> I, I compared him coming into the league as um, like he is actually the player that the bad takes about DK Metcalf uh, thought that like DK Metcalf was going to be like a guy that literally only ran slants posts and goes, and that's it. Um, But that is Alec Pearson. I think he's really interesting. Um, They just look, you and I know this is like Michael Pittman bros. They cannot push the ball down the field at all. And that's like, I think Pierce gets profiled because this is the way it works. We only see, what happens when the ball arrives and it's like, Oh man, this guy's never open. Well, he's getting thrown into a lot of those contested situations by Matt Ryan's lollipop arm. And to be fair, he wins a lot of those contested catches too. I think he's a really nice long-term uh, outside receiver there. Yeah, definitely one of the more, you know, intriguing guys. And we thought he'd run to the, you know, a larger opportunity this season. And yeah, that Colts, man, Mike, what, what Michael Pittman, what they've done to our baby, man. Oh my oh, God. It's so sad. I, I, I think Pittman's <laughs> got to be one of the most, underrated receivers right now just based on what he's done his the last two years and i think we did we talked we talked about this when we, when you were on my uh, yahoo show right where we, we probably talked about um that i feel like the last two years of michael Pittman has it's been all deep ball contested stuff with carson wentz and i was like all right well with matt ryan we should get a little bit more of that intermediate stuff a little more underneath stuff that michael Pittman's really good at running those routes 
can we just get the can we get it to meet in the middle though like we don't need the two extremes that's what it's been for michael pittman this year yeah you're probably right that anything any wide receiver stuff from the colts offense is also fake same thing with those like the couple paris campbell weeks i'm like yeah of course paris campbell's popping off paris campbell runs like drag routes and that's it and that's pretty much all matt ryan can throw yeah, that last Saturday game with Michael Pittman, uh, 60 yards on 14 targets where <laughs> they just run the the, uh, the the ISO where they run three wide receivers, like basically on vertical routes, and he just drags underneath them. And it's like, it's they, so they just bad. like ran that play. They were just like spamming that play. And I was like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, I said they, I've made the corollary, I think, like early in the season. I was like, they've, they've turned him into Jacoby Myers. Like, it's it's wild what's happened. Yeah. He did get one target last week, uh, uh, one deep target. So he's up to four now on the season. So. Four, four deep targets. That's <laughs> hooray, hooray! Uh, let's jump into a couple of these guys. You told me when I was on that you would let me pick out a couple guys to talk about, and I was like, man, I don't want to pick out like anyone good, right? Like it's like clear cut good, and like, and, and not as a punishment to you either. It wasn't like I don't want Matt to enjoy himself. But uh, I tried. Yeah, I was like, man, Rich was really upset. I had him on my podcast in the middle of the week. He's like, you know what? You're going to start Terrace Marshall now. (laughs) Yeah, well, I tried to pick three guys that I think either, you know, one, I picked Rashid Shahid because I think he's just a hot button. People want to like, people don't know who he is. So I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, let's pick him so we can at least get a little background here on what's going on. Uh, And then I picked two guys that I think, you know, dynasty gamers are still going to be intrigued by what happened this season. And I chose Elijah Moore. And I chose Terrace Marshall because I feel like it'll just be like a, a, a last gasp thing here. But uh, yeah, Juan, how did you enjoy your experience with these three players? It's funny. I was actually, well, Elijah Moore is still a treat. I'll spoil alert uh, that I, I still am a big, big fan of Elijah Moore. But um, it's funny. You actually, you sent me that. And at the same time, um, James Coe on our reception perception show has been die he's been like you have to talk about zay jones you have to like you have to do a deep dive on zay jones so we actually created we blended some of your names uh with some other goofball names and called it like a buy or sell like surprising wide receiver uh slash like goofball or not uh perform on our show so um i've actually spent what you did to me is nothing compared to the fact that like people really wanted mac holland's takes on uh on on the rp show so uh i've been in your discord uh what are some of the requests you get in the discord Oh, well, speaking of uh, DPJ, I, there are like six or I say this all the time. There are like six or seven hardcore DPJ bros in my discord that for the last, like pretty much since the site went live in uh, the spring of 2021 have been like, are you going to, when are you going to chart DPJ? When are you going to chart DPJ? So, um, and I told you this uh, in, in DMS that I have extreme anxiety about uh, that. I never do enough, um, like charting that there are always guys I'm going to leave off uh, because there's so many wide receivers and I'm, I'm only one person. Uh, So every year I'm like, God, do I want to do a guy like DPJ heading into the season? Do I want to do a guy like Zay Jones? And I'm like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to pass up on that goofball and like go outside instead. Um, (laughs) Despite the fact that I have like 70 plus receivers on the site uh, anyways, in a given year, if you include prospects. So and then a guy like Zay Jones is wide receiver 20 in fantasy right now. I'm kicking myself that I didn't get up that I got a profile up on Kenny Galladay or like Isaiah McKenzie or whatever. And I didn't get something done on Zay Jones. So I'm hoping that you've given me a head start here on some of these guys, right. maybe, uh, you know, or, or some of these other goofballs like, yeah, Mac Collins popping up. Uh, people want to see a RP chart on Mac Collins. Let me tell you right now, I've done it a couple games here so far. You don't need to see anymore. <laughs> Good blocker. Hell of a blocker. I mean, I, <laughs> hell of a blocker. Great special teamer. Um, and I do appreciate the fact that when he catches, like, a, anytime he catches a touchdown, he is right. He finds that camera and is doing the I'm him thing. So, shout out yes. to the Mac Collins. Respect. No, no, that's great, man. So, uh, I don't know where, where we even start here. Let's start with Shahid, just because he's probably the, the most, like, exciting for people. And obviously, this weekend, like, the weather stuff has, has come up, and maybe they're not excited to take a shot on him. And Olave might even miss the game, which would be even more of a shame. But uh, he's number one in the NFL right now uh, as success rate per target, and obviously very few targets and a lot of splash plays, so it's easy to see how we got there. Uh, but what what tell us anything about this guy. Yeah, um, I, admittedly way off my radar. You go like Weber State or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, pretty crazy stuff. But I have to say, Rich, this was the this was the guy I enjoyed most uh, in in all of the dudes I ended up charting for our show, right. for your show, 
he was fun. Um, look, I mean, obviously, like you said, limited routes, limited. I only sampled two games because he doesn't have like that many, that much playing time. But the last two games, like he's, yeah, it was kind of last two weeks. To, his routes have gone up. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the best games to look at here. And we're looking at like a 68.2% success rate versus man coverage. That's pretty good uh, for a guy that's running a lot of vertical routes as well. Um, certainly a guy that the nine routes, the post routes, those are great. Those are really highly successful routes for him. Um, but he shows a little bit in terms of like being able to run dig routes, being able to run some curls, like 75% success rate on curl routes. Those are, that's a really nice number there for him to build a baseline off of. Um, I kind of compared him to, you know, like you see some, basically the long and short of it is I think you see some legit wide receiver type stuff from him. Um, there's one play. I, I kind of, I hope to tweet this out at some point and um, break it down a little bit where against the bucks, the game prior to the buy uh, he ran a go route. I think it was on 35 Jamel Dean, you know, as an, awesome I, as an, yeah, as an, as an ISO X receiver on the outside, gets he does he typically I'm a, I got questions about him as a press coverage beater because he does that stupid little hop move that young receivers do that you need to like you need to iron that stuff out but this was a great release on this route gets into the go route stacks the defender gets a ton of separation Andy Dalton throws it he doesn't get it where it needs to be so Shahid has to work back for it track it in the air and still wins the ball that was like that's big boy wide receiver stuff and I think you see some of those flashes from him um to potentially like think about him growing into I don't know, like a, a kind of along the John Brown archetype or the T.Y. Hilton archetype of wide receivers. But at the very least, you know, the Saints had that guy Devery Henderson for a billion oh, yeah. years where it's like, oh, every three games he would just pop up for some outrageous big play. I think at worst, uh, Shahid can be that. But I do think you see some real wide receiver stuff that like he could grow into potentially being like, yeah, around that John Brown axis of wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, the Saints uh, threw a few of those guys. Robert Meacham, you know, those guys ro- rotating. It's kind of first round pick on Robert Meacham to get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the Chargers gave him a big contract to uh, to go play with Philip Rivers. That didn't really work out uh, too great either. But no, that's that's promising to to hear. I mean, he's a guy that really wasn't on my radar throughout like the draft prospect that you know at all. Like you know, coming up and. Uh, I didn't even have him like in rookie ranks. I had no idea. Like, he wasn't really even didn't exist, no. right? And like here we are, and he's like kind of like well, a popular name. That's the beauty of of, of fantasy football and uh, this point of the season, right? Like and trying to find some yeah. of these guys in these gems. Uh, let's talk about Elijah Moore next. Uh, we'll save the worst for last uh, because uh, Elijah Moore's had an interesting year, right? Like he comes out. And we talked in the summer about the addition of Garrett Wilson and, and kind of what that was going to do for the offense. And early in the season, Elijah Moore basically played strictly outside receiver and Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson played inside. And Elijah got a lot of targets, a lot of inefficient targets, really kind of, I think, mounted on him in the Garrett Wilson way. Uh, didn't get a lot of uh, targets that were catchable and frustration mounted. Uh, then Garrett Wilson surges and kind of pushes him down uh then gets in the doghouse of the team a little bit looks like all that's kind of mended but a very kind of almost like a throwaway year for elijah moore uh can we treat it as a throwaway year from a uh, a talent perspective like is he is he still out here doing things that we like to see oh yeah man and it's really frustrating because i don't know what i've done but the last two years i've been like way ahead of um consent not way i wasn't way ahead of consensus on elijah moore this year just because it was it's kind of it was hard to get like two it was hard to get a, a jets wide receiver ahead of like wide receiver 30 right um yeah. in your rankings or anything like that so but in terms of like second year guys i was really really excited about i was on elijah moore this past year and the year before i was on brandon Ayuk, and i don't know why why i keep getting excited about the guys who get in fights with their team <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm on i'm on doghouse watch or whatever and both from the same coaching tree as well so there's a lot right. going on there i'm gonna be trying to watch out for um you know whoever whoever is the second year receiver this coming season uh that, that's gonna get in the doghouse that's for sure i'll be i'm sure i'll be all over him but um the yeah so sort of I think it's definitely more of a throwaway year because early on, you're right. Like the difference in roles for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore couldn't have been more stark, you know, especially during those like three Joe Flacco games, you know, Elijah Moore is out there as like the, the ISO X receiver on almost every snap. I mean, on the line of scrimmage outside and they kind of had Garrett Wilson as more of the slot player. And it was weird because I think that, I think either guy could play either position like Elijah Moore can win as an outside 
X receiver because he can beat press coverage. He can beat man coverage. In those first few games, he still had like a 74% success rate versus man, but he's still a smaller guy. The windows right. are going to be smaller when you're throwing out there um, than it is for a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's just he's a bit bigger. He's a bit freakier of a mover. I think that's where the gap between those two players really, really comes because the athleticism is just so much more on Garrett Wilson's side. But yeah, I think that was a big problem. And so I, I love that they changed the role up for him. I think that's probably his best long-term role. Elijah Moore, like he can certainly, again, he can win on the outside. He can get open, but the windows are going to be smaller. You know, we know they're dealing with inefficient quarterbacks, regardless of who's out there uh, for the New York jets. So, I'm still really excited about Elijah Moore and I'm still bullish on the talent. Um, you know, I have seen cause people are very emotional, very reactionary. Like, Oh, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't even trade him for like a third round rookie pick or something like that. It's like, that's crazy. I, I, I still think he's a very good player, a very talented player. And I, I definitely think, look, once you get, and I'm telling you because I've been on the, I, the Elijah Moore thing and the Brandon, Ayuk thing, once you get into like, the doghouse situation or like getting in fights with the team or whatever, you got to start taking like solace and taking victory laps when they like run 83% of the routes or something like that. Like that's a good <laughs> enough signal all on its own. So yep. I don't know that, um, you know, Elijah's going to pop off um, the, a bunch the rest of the season. You know, he's had a couple of good games here uh, the rest of the way, but you know, in terms of his ability to get open, I still don't have any questions and uh, his ability as a, as a player, I don't have any questions. I think we just have to see, um what the role and i think it's good that they they you know brought him back up and they they gave him a new role right like i think that's a good sign for their future with him as a player yeah and I, I, he was a guy too yeah just like he he's made to be like in the, this era of the nfl to be in that slot role like i yeah. mean he's he just and i know he was that he was that guy in college too but mm -hmm. especially with garrett wilson's insurgence like i mean they, they should be able to feast and i think we saw a little bit of the aggression you know when mike white was under center so once yeah. they get this offseason out of the books here and we'll see what they do whether it ends up being mike white or another player we know it's not going to be zach wilson in year three i don't think there's any way like i would put it like sub five percent right like that they are going to give him another shot um like you said he's just not a real quarterback and we're recording this before thursday night so hopefully like you know he didn't like have like this amazing game in the rain but uh <laughs> that would be surprising <laughs> that would be it would be surprising uh the last guy three at you was terrace marshall i mean listen i'm not gonna hide the fact that i like terrace marshall's prospect um uh, i was excited about him you know going to carolina in the same system he was in college right like that was when they had you know joe brady there and obviously joe brady's gone uh, they get rid of Robbie Anderson. They get rid of Christian McCaffrey. It kind of created this opportunity for the, at least him to just go out there and run routes. Uh, mm -hmm. Quarterback situation is still bad. Is there anything there on the routes he was running? <laughs> a little bit. Um, I'll say this with Terrace Marshall is a, and I was excited about him as a prospect too. Um, like when you, because his raw like success rate versus man and press coverage scores were really good. But when you looked under the hood, like at the full route tree, he really only was successful in terms of his ability to get open on go routes and slant routes, like that limited look there. Um, and that was pretty much what he's been so far this year. But to dial it back to his rookie season, I mean, he had one of the worst reception perception profiles of all time. Like he was in, in terms of like his, his success rates, he was in the Justin Hunter, Jalen Rager zone. You don't want to be in the Justin Hunter, Jalen Rager zone in terms of your ability to beat man coverage. Um, but that was where he was at as a rookie. But I thought that slot, the longer you looked at him as like a slot receiver, it just didn't make any sense. Like in the, in the NFL. And I know he played that position in college, whatever, but, um, he just doesn't have the, the route running chops. He just doesn't have, um, he has a real poor sense of timing. He takes forever to kind of get into breaks. Um, but he's very athletic. So I kind of like what they've done with him this year where he's been a pure X receiver, you know, in the games that I sampled for him, he was outside on 93% of his routes or 93% of his snaps, 84% on the line of scrimmage. So again, that more traditional old school X receiver, and he can get open on go routes. He can get open on slant routes, but that is literally about it. Uh, like 40.7% uh, 40 success rate versus man coverage is still very, I mean, it's still very, very, very poor. So I'm not holding out any hope that Terrace Marshall can somehow emerge into like a, you know, a hundred target, hundred plus target player, a guy that is like a, a clear cut starter for a team. But um, I, I guess I could, I could squint at him and see him being like a poor man's Devonte Parker type of player. Parker is not a guy that can get, a, get open on a routine basis either. Um, and he had that one great year 
with Fitzpatrick throwing, you know, just flinging yeah. balls down the field. And that's a good, get the right quarterback. That, yeah. Get the right quarterback in there. Maybe Marshall could have that type of season, but I think he's probably like a poor man's version of that player. I, I definitely think he's been a, a very disappointing guy. And I'm not, um, I'm not taking a ton of solace in, in what we've seen from him so far. Uh, you know, a couple of random big games. Look, here's the deal, Rich. Like, look, we're talking about Matt Collins earlier. If you're out there running a bunch of routes, you're going to put up a couple of nice games. It's just, right. you're going to fall. You're going to fall ass backwards into a couple of nice games here. And KJ Osborne, think- uh, the Saturday, right? Like he, we've gone a whole year where KJ Osborne has had more than 40 yards in a game, but once. But if you run enough routes, eventually. <laughs> I know. I think Osborne's a little interesting this week against the Giants, but I actually think yeah. Osborne's a little bit of an interesting player. But he's so um, he's another guy I looked at for the goofball episode on. Oh, on did RB you? And like, yeah, yeah, dude. I've been having a lot of fun the last few days. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's very explosive, but he's so sloppy. He's he's just a very, very, very sloppy player. A um, lot of talent there, but n- needs to tighten up the fundamentals for sure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is, is there anyone else uh, that, that you did that you want to touch on? Do you want to talk about the Zay Jones experience at all? I don't want to get too deep into it because they play tonight and this is going to come out. Yeah. Uh, this is going to come out tomorrow and then, they, you know, everything become obsolete. It's like, oh, well, you went in Sauce Gardner for 60% of his routes or something, you know. Um, but yeah, let's talk. Just give me real fast. Cause I had a couple of guys that talk about this season anyways, but the Jaguars wide receivers in general. Uh, can you just fold them into one take Christian Kirk, say Jones, and then, you know, them getting, Cal- they're going to have Calvin Ridley next year. I don't know what we're going to get out of Calvin Ridley. Cause we basically had two years where he hasn't played, Yeah, but like, how, how do you see like these pieces fitting together? And honestly go back to Calvin Ridley in old reception perception days uh, and talk about the success. Him, is he a true alpha even too? Are they going to, is this a situation where the Jags are just accumulating guys that aren't alpha receivers? Yeah, right. Uh, I think that's a, a good question. I think it's still probably TBD on um, on Calvin Ridley. I think he definitely has the potential to be a legit number one receiver. He's very much so like old school reception perception data on him. You know, he was a great separator. I mean, very, very like much on the Stefan Diggs axis of, of separators. He's a guy that can get open at all levels, can win deep, short, intermediate. Like I think I mean, I think he showed that he was a legit number one receiver when Julio Jones was hurt in like the the 2020 season, right? Yeah. Like that was a great year for Ridley. I think he was set to be that guy uh, in the Falcons offense. And and obviously just a lot of it went to hell uh, with Calvin Ridley in 2021. We, we know the whole deal there. I, I think he can be a legit alpha receiver for the Jaguars. I'm going to try not to get like too excited about Calvin Ridley because it's just like you said, we have almost a full two years uh, of a gap here. It's really tough to just say like, oh, he's going to pop right back in there and be that guy but shoot the the archetype of receiver that calvin ridley is is exactly what jacksonville needs is like a guy that can go and beat press man coverage on the outside a guy that can win as as a true outside receiver um christian kirk has I, i was really into kirk this year because i think his rp profile showed like he's a perfect fit um for the modern slot receiver role um you know a guy that can not just win little bunny hop routes in the like Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley archetype of slot receivers, but it can actually be a vertical player and, you know, beat zone coverage at an above 80% rate. Like those are the guys you want to be betting on um, that, that can beat zone coverage at that rate, especially if they're playing inside. Um, so I was really into Kirk this year. I think he's been at expectations. I think he's a good long-term building block for the Jaguars. Zay Jones. Um, I, I again, I, I'm kicking myself for not uh, getting to Zay Jones in the offseason, but the in season sample, I think, has softened my stance on Zay Jones a little bit. Like, I think he's perfectly passable as a team's number three receiver. Obviously, he's skating above that, he's punching above that weight for the Jaguars right now. Um, but he still is a guy, I think, that his zone coverage accessory is really nice. Like, he's not a, not a press man beater. I don't think he's a true number one in that way, but um, about a 77% success rate versus zone coverage is, is a nice mark for him. And uh, I do like the way I like the way he wins balls in tight coverage. I like the way that he uh, it, he's pretty savvy, I think, for for a player. Like one thing I think is, is interesting about him, and I think this has actually brought out a good side of Trevor Lawrence, too. One thing that Zay Jones does really well is he like adjusts to adjusts on off script plays like the old Tyler Lockett type of thing or, or Doug Baldwin back in the day with Russell Wilson. Like as soon as that is if you're not open on the first route and the quarterback starting to move around like get open again, get readjusted. I think you see that with, uh, with Zay Jones and it's a, it's a nice mark by him um, because I think Lawrence has struggled to play off script at times. 
except for these like la- the last like maybe month plus or whatever. And I think Zay Jones has been a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, Zay Jones was, I mean, uh, from a profile perspective, and, and at least a, a solid prospect. I mean, he do caught 400 balls in college at East Carolina. He followed Justin Hardy, though, so it was always like a question of the system. Like, oh, you yeah. know, remember, yeah, remember Justin Hardy? Uh, you know, and, and he had the, the, the eight touchdowns the second year at the Bills, and then just kind of ghosted. And then he pops up yeah. last year uh, through injuries and was good, gets the contract. Yeah, very uh, – very intriguing guy. It's, it always says, like a dynasty man, like keep these guys kicking around your rosters and something happens. I mean, someone ran into that, uh, that Zay Jones explosion that, that they weren't expecting. Um, I know it's wild. Let, let, let's bring this thing home with a little bit of a week 16 talk. You know what? I honestly was happy to have you on this time. I'm glad it kind of kicked here. Cause honestly, like the teams playing this week, like who, who, how much help do these teams really need with their lineups? Right? Like, you're yeah. here in the final four like you've got probably good players you might have a, a, a like a decision or two to make right like right maybe but like other other than that like well if you're like me and you've got uh damn jalen hurts in in one of your leagues or you had a first round buy you're 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 in a little bit of trouble <laughs> yeah but. let's kick it off there because i also have jalen hurts in a league where i'm facing you uh listen this, the fantasy gods giveth and they taketh right they do, in, in right like, in one league i've lost jalen hurts in another league i might be like uh it might be helping helping me out here so that's the way it goes so yeah let's start let's kick it off there uh for gamers that lost jalen hurts or are potentially just looking to play gardner Minshew. uh one how do you see gardner Minshew fitting into this philadelphia offense and then two is Gardner Minshew kind of like your favorite like pivot choice of quarterbacks to play this week out of guys like maybe Brock Purdy? Uh, I don't know if Daniel Jones is available in any leagues, and or like the 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 crusty vets that may have been thrown back into the pond, like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, who have good matchups this week. Yeah, I think I've looked at it like this that. Rodgers was a guy that I really wanted to get if I had Jalen Hurts. By the way, my mom has Jalen Hurts on her fantasy team, so um, we're 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 reeling, man. And she, I did grab Rodgers before the Monday night game for her because that news like started breaking or whatever. So, mm-hmm. well, excuse me, my mom definitely went out and did that all on her own. If any of the Treviso <laughs> babes, fantasy football manager managers are listening to this, uh, she did that all on her own. Grabbed Aaron Rodgers. What a savvy vet she is on her first year plan. But um, I, I liked Rodgers as a pivot point. Uh, if he was available, because I think that matchup's really nice. And, you know, Christian Watson is coming along and Romeo Dobbs being back. I know he didn't play a ton, um, but he, he like from a targets per route run perspective, mm-hmm. it was nice to see them getting him the ball a lot um, in that first game back. I think those two guys complement each other really well. And I just I'm excited to see how they grow and grow and grow together. Those two, you know, Miami's definitely been an exploitable matchup. I liked uh, Rogers as a ceiling play uh, in the absence of Jalen Hurts, but I've kind of gone back and forth between uh, Brock Purdy and Gardner Minshew. I think I've settled on liking Minshew just a little bit more uh, because Dallas's defense has been so generous on one side of the field, the side away from Trayvon Diggs. And, you know, Diggs is obviously a beatable guy too, but man, I love the idea of like crafty Devonte Smith uh, running routes against like Kelvin Joseph and the boys on the other side uh, mm-hmm. there. That, that seems like a great spot for him. And, you know, Devonte Smith didn't have big games when Minshew started last year. Actually, Dallas Goddard had that eruption game against the Jets with like a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. I think Minshew fits in the system. Well, I think they can run uh, a nice up-tempo offense and, you know, they probably won't take as many shots on go routes with those guys uh, with Minshew back there. But Devontae Smith is a good uh, over the middle receiver. AJ Brown, we know, is it? I actually think we could see some more like vintage AJ Brown type of, you know, dig routes, slam routes, crossing stuff. routes over the middle. Yeah, the in breaking stuff that, you know, it's been nice to see him actually do a little bit more than that this year, but I think we could see a bit more of that with Minshew back there. Yeah, Minshew's, it is an intriguing spot because, you know, Minshew was a guy that was more of like a, a hair on fire fantasy play on those bad Jaguars teams. Like he stacked volume uh, and scrambled a lot. Um, then we kind of saw like the the second year, we kind of saw like the true colors. It's like, oh, this guy might not really be a long-term starter. But then like he does feel like one of these guys, like, if you put him into a situation with like actual talent, like and you need to run into a spot where at least there's a floor. And that's really what Jalen Hurts gamers are going to find out this weekend. It's like, are, can any of these guys get us 30, right? Because we've been living a high life, uh, you know, on our pedestal of like knowing yeah. like, hey, we're probably going to get 25 points men from our quarterback this week, maybe 35, right? Like, <laughs> uh, and, and are any of these guys going to get us there? Like, are they just going to hold, are we just trying to put, you know, you're just trying to float basically. And I feel like that's what Minshew is in this, in this system. Like there's enough talent here to, if we can ru- have a high touchdown run out, maybe we get like in the low twenties 
uh, we can get there, but like, he's probably is going to be like a 15 to 20 point guy. Right. I think so. That's what makes Rogers interesting. And, the, right. and Rogers hasn't been a ceiling guy all year. I mean, what has he had? Like one uh, game with three he's plus one top 10 week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's had a, has he, I don't think he's had a 300 yard game all year. Uh, it's, it's the fewest passing yards per game for his career bar none. Yeah. Um, but you'd look at that game and you're like, well, if any of these games could be exciting, I guess, I mean, Cowboys, Eagles could definitely still pop uh, for sure, too. With like, you well, said, Broncos, baby. Rams, middle of Christmas Day doesn't doesn't float you. It doesn't float your boat, pal. Go back to Russell Wilson. Uh, you're trying to go oh, back to, no. to Russ couldn't, here. Couldn't 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 pay me. Uh, couldn't pay me enough to, to play that Russ Sunday and, uh, slate of games. If you do the reverse showdown slate like it was last Saturday, that that th- Sunday game, the Christmas Day slate is brutal. Absolutely yeah, you got what brutal. Bucks, Cardinals, and then and then the great Rams, Broncos. I'm just glad we don't have to act like Baker Mayfield is the cutest thing on no. planet Earth anymore. There's not one That's tight the- end you can play on that slate, like at all. Like <laughs> That's like, so true. Think about it. I mean, you've got in the first game, you've got Gasecki and Tony. Gasecki has even caught a pass like since October. Uh, and then oh. you've got you've got Dulcich, who's got getting Eric Tomlinson's catching more passes than him last week. Uh in Arizona. Trey McBride's done a little bit, but then He's like Trey McBride might be emphasis the, on little emphasis. on <laughs> Yes. Little. He might be the guy that gives like projects for the most targets on that slate because oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just brutal. And then uh, what's the late in the, the late game is K, the K dot and Cam Brate split versus, uh, Oh, that's yeah. That's, that's the Trey McBride. Yeah. yeah. Cause hi, Tyler Higby's not doing anything either. So that's, yeah, it was, it was right of you to skip over Tyler Higby. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. He did catch a touchdown last week. Hey, good for him. He's, so he snapped the, the race between him and Deontay Johnson of who, catch a touchdown first uh, Tyler Hickey that makes won. you want to puke the, 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 <laughs> those two in the same sentence you brought up Purdy though so say you couldn't get Minshew uh give me a little Brock Purdy take because obviously we've gotten two games as a starter and listen the guys just played some good point guard he's played great point guard I'm I'm a big BCB fan for sure but mostly because the way he's attacked outside the numbers is very different from, from Jimmy Garoppolo. And I mean, from a statistical perspective, he's given you basically what you'd expect out of Jimmy, which is somewhere between like 190, 220 passing yards and two touchdowns. Like that's exactly what Purdy's been in his first starts. But I, again, I like the way that he has pushed it a little bit more outside the numbers than Jimmy uh, because they've got great outside the numbers weapons. I mean, Kittle, Ayuk, those guys are, are really fun uh, players there. Uh, I think just from like a matchup perspective, I I do really like Washington's defense, uh, which is weird to say, but you know they're getting their guys healthy up front. Uh, Chase Young sounds like he might finally play in this game. I don't know how much of a needle mover Chase Young is right now, but that's a good uh, defense overall. I think like Minshew against Dallas again. D- Dallas is a really quality defense. They just have such a clear exploitable hole right now. Um, like, you know, they, they, they've got the, like, where's Waldo guy right now. Like, let's – with Kelvin Joseph out there, it's like, let's find that guy. I mean, the Jaguars just went after him. Doug Peterson was they absolutely take him off the field. Bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. And, like, that's a pretty – I think that's going to be a big problem for Dallas going forward. Um, so, that's kind of why I like Minshew better. But I think it's, I think it's a bit of a toss-up between those two guys. And they're probably – I mean, Purdy has basically been – although he's had, like, a couple 20-point games back-to-back because uh, he's in such an efficient offense. But he's probably similar, too, that he you're just trying to keep the ship afloat if you've got Purdy back there from a real-life perspective and a fantasy perspective. Yeah, yeah I kind of like this week as a bounce-back potential for Brandon Ayuk because of what you said. They Purdy's have tried to attack outside, but they face two teams in a row and his two starts that are really good against boundary wide receivers. And he's getting a light, we're getting a lighter matchup this week against Washington. So uh, I think it made sense that, you know, Ayuk's target numbers were down the past two weeks, given the the, the matchups and where a, a, yeah. an offense, like they're going to devise a game plan to attack the two teams that they played was going to be probably non Brandon Ayuk central centric, you know, uh, to get him going. So I do like him as a, well, good. Ayuk is in, is in my lineup against, against you in the apex league, the Jalen hurts one that you're talking about. It's nice that we've been on each other's shows back to back. We've played each other in back to back weeks and in a couple of leagues here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you ran me down in the dynasty league. It was, it was tough. I didn't get enough, uh, Arthur Juan. Um, you didn't get enough Herbert, bro. I actually said that. Oh, that's what it was. I didn't get, yeah, you had like 11 points from Herbert. I said that to Austin this week when I was like, you know, it's a shame that you guys, uh, I'm glad you guys won the game, but I appreciate Herbert not throwing any touchdowns that helped me out personally. So yeah, absolutely. And I play a ton of Herbert in DFS. So I felt that all over the board. Uh, I do have Austin Eckler on the team against you. So hopefully the, your co-host can uh, 
bounce me out. Love. So it's, so you can at least go and tell him. Actually, you can tell him whether it goes either way, right? Because if he has like, you know what, 80 yards and doesn't score a touchdown, you can say, thanks, Austin. But then if he, you know, has the two touchdowns and catches nine passes, you can say, Russ, what's up, man? What, what, why did you do that to me? So I know. It's a good yeah. Story yeah. Either way. It's good content. It's a, it's good uh, it is. It's way. great. It's great content. I don't, I think he will, uh, I think he'll appreciate it either way. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, Austin Eckler is, is my big thing this year is in fantasy drafts was Austin Eckler still taking him over Jamar Chase. And it actually saved me. It's not like Jamar, I was against Jamar Chase, but uh, so I, I was on the same, same way. And so like that, that decision, especially with the time Chase missed has really helped me this year. Uh, have some, have some good teams. Um, let's roll into a couple of these other situations. You brought up Jonathan Taylor coming on your show. Obviously he's going to be out the rest of the season. Anything mm-hmm. here with these Colts backs? I mean, they play the chargers this week. Like, we know Jeff Sarri wants to run the football, but like there was kind of a real 50 50 split between Zach Moss and Deion Jackson. It favored Zach Moss. None of them caught any passes. Like, uh, how confident are you in either of these guys? Uh, I'm not confident in either one of these guys. Like, you know, the Chargers, we, we talk about this on uh, Acro's Edge all the time, is that they're the most stressful team to watch because they, I don't think they've had like any sort of decisive win at any point all year. They take it down to the last minute. But Since if they were ever. Maybe. Oh my god! Well, yeah, since 1990, but even it seems like it's even more so this year. But if they were ever going to blow a team out, it would probably be the Colts starting Nick freaking Foles. Man, I mean, we're we're doing Nick Foles in 2020. How how disrespectful to make that Matt Ryan's last start? Like you couldn't at least like you couldn't at least let him run out one more time. As a it wasn't even really his fault. I know, right? And, <laughs> and listen, Matt Ryan, it's not like Matt Ryan's a good either, but like to pin that, to say like, because you saw the tweets, it's like, oh, Matt Ryan's responsible for like the greatest comebacks in history. It's like, well, I don't know if he's really responsible for what happened last week. Yeah, no, nah, it was a, it was a bummer for, for, for Matt to go out that way. But uh, what can you do? I, I do think that he's, Zach Moss in particular, obviously really interesting. You'd think like just power run against the Chargers, it would be the way to go, but if he get, I mean, I could easily see him getting game scripted out by this Chargers, by this Chargers offense. But um, it, because the Chargers are such a weird um, operation, let's put it that way. Uh, I, I think you can still like, but this thing, right, Rich? Like, if you're if you're playing this week, like we said earlier, you've probably got a pretty good team. Do you think you're really going to find a way to squeeze like Zach Moss onto that team? I would, I would, I would be kind of, um, I'd be kind of skeptical. Like, I looked at Zach Moss on a couple championship waiver wires, but ultimately decided like I'll just roll you know, I'd rather roll a guy like Latavius Murray, who I've got weirdly on that Jalen Hurts team. Like I would feel better about him uh, than I do on a guy like Zach Moss. You know, I mean, this is obviously they play tonight, but like, I don't know, like if you had like a choice between him and Zonovan Knight, like who had been hot the last couple of weeks, like, are you going to go in that direction? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm I, this is tough to, again, I can make it look like a total idiot saying I love it. I do this on my show all the time too. I'm like, I talk about the game that hasn't, that is happening when people have listened to this. So I'm like, I always love to make myself sound like a fool, but I'm kind of iffy on, um, I'm kind of iffy on, on Zonovan night. Like I, I, I can kind of go both ways on that one. So for me, I'm, I'm I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably go with Zach Moss. No, nah, no, nah, I'd go with, I think I'd go with Zonovan night there. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have Zach Moss one spot ahead in my rankings this week. That's uh, a great, that's a great pull then. I mean, that's a good, that's a good one to ask. And uh, yeah, I mean, you never know who people got because, you know, uh, real fast too, we joke talked about the show about the Jerick McKinnon and writing about him as a prospect. Um, how, how real is this Jerick McKinnon push? I mean, obviously like his, what, what his takeoff and his role when the targets are to roll in kind of line up when McCole Hardman was lost and the Chiefs weren't able to replace that element of their offense. And now McCole Hardman's coming back, but also Isaiah Pacheco just fumbled for the fifth time of the year last yeah. week. So um, is, is McKinnon going to be a guy we can, we can actually count on, or do you still see a situation where like the rug could get pulled on us the last couple of weeks? I, I think he's a guy that you can, you can trust, uh, for a couple of reasons there, you know, you're right to bring up the McColl Hardman thing. Cause Andy Barron's has been pointing this out on our, on our Yahoo podcast that like McColl Hardman was kind of sneakily a big part of their rushing offense and a sneaky big part of their goal line rushing, the red offense. zone offense like, for sure. Yes, like when they would get down inside the 10 yard line, like they'd give McColl, which I think, by the way, is the best use for McColl Hardman. We've got to, yeah, right. We've got, we've got to get our minds wrapped around these guys that are like 
that are fast receivers but can't run routes. Like they would try to get McCole. How many times has Patrick Mahomes and McCole Hardman, and I'm I know who I'm blaming on this too, by the way, not been on the same page on like a post route? It feels like it's been at least 30 times since McCole yeah. Hardman's coming to the league. Um, like, but you can get that speed going horizontally. I love when you see guys get that speed going horizontally as opposed to vertically. I think that's a good use for McCole Hardman, but still McKinnon, I think the rhetoric out of Kansas city. And I I buy into this is just that they trust McKinnon uh, by far the most in the backfield right now. So, and especially with, you know, uh, Pacheco fumbling a little bit, the the lack of trust they've had with him in the passing game. I think that McKinnon's probably like clear to run out the rest of the way in your fantasy lineup. Yeah. The back to back RB one scoring weeks, just the third guy, just the third guy to do that. in like the the past decade. Uh, to lead the position in scoring back that weeks and the timing of it. We always get, like I said, we were talking about some of the the heroes of past in the fantasy playoffs. And Jerick McKinnon has a real chance to go down as like, you know, like Rashad Penny last year. We brought up Tim Hightower. I think it was 2016 or 2017. Tim Hightower. Uh, yeah. Because these are Richmond the guys. VA's, Richmond VA's finest, by the way. Tim Ooh, Hightower. Yeah. You remember these guys forever. If you if you just deliver as a player for fantasy gamers for these three weeks, like you'll go down for low, like you'll always be remembered, like for sure. Um, yeah, so that, that basically brings us home here. Uh, this week, I, I should ask you real quick, though. Obviously, this is a weather watch week, right? Like we do this oh, every God. year uh, where we've got to become like official meteorologists too uh, and try to diagnose some of this stuff. But, you know, everyone freaks out. I get I get all these tweets, right? I'm sure you do, too. Uh, you know, probably starting tonight because the Thursday game is supposed to have crummy weather too. But in a week like this, like how much are you incorporating weather into the decisions you make? I'm not, man. I always, almost always default to just like ignoring it outside of like extreme circumstances. But then again, like, I mean, it's the, it's, it's the weather. It can, it can change. Like the, the whole, the freak out about the, and I, I'm sure I recommended like, against Tua because of the weather like break ties in favor of the weather and don't play Tua or whatever and and you look like an idiot though when it goes out there and like it it's fine you know everybody almost everybody hit in that game uh that you would have want to hit I mean Steph Diggs didn't have like the big eruption game but I think that was mostly about defensive game plans and nobody hits in in well except Dawson Knox I can't get, I can't get Dawson Knox right man I'm I'm, I'm hoping this is uh, we get another good week here but he has been like by far the most frustrating guy I've rostered all year so for the most part though everybody hit in that snow game and and we expected it to be a big problem but yeah I, I try to just I try to just ignore it um maybe outside of extreme circumstances extreme wins stuff like that you could take it into account but i just feel like you end up overthinking it more often than not yeah uh i i joked i do a, a show at john daigle on wednesday nights for rotor grinders and he lives in chicago and i'm like you know i'm on the lake like 20 minutes from the stadium in cleveland and i said saturday morning we'll each take a video of us throwing a football outside and we'll let people judge the decision making for those games there uh, you go based on what they see uh but yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean this it's, it's great it's it's great to have you on i'm glad we finally could uh connect and bring this thing together i feel like the timing actually kind of worked out for it too uh instead of you know the middle of the season so uh always a pleasure to have you on listen uh you are someone that uh, i'm glad to have gone on this journey with in fantasy football i feel like we were very similar in the time of coming in and i remember us having conversations of if and if we'd still be doing this you know, know the vision of doing this now and look at us now uh and look at you now man uh, seeing where you could you imagine on. doing anything else dude could you imagine having a real job right now uh yes i i mean well especially now because a lot of the real jobs have gone away from that the, the 10 years that we've done That's this true. Uh, you yeah, know, that's I'm, true. You had you had more time in the world uh, having a real job than than I did. Uh, but so I'm I'm probably especially spoiled that like every now and again I like to say to my wife like, what if the NFL just like they decide and which has never happened, but like it's <laughs> like that's it, that's a wrap. I'd be like, what the hell? Like, what would I do? I have no I have no idea. I don't know. No, and I, it's I obviously have... something I don't have to worry about. But still, what would I do? I have no idea. Uh, my oldest is going to be 18 and he graduates this year and um he is trying to figure out and as a, even as someone trying to look back and like think about like when I was his age and like well this is the plan you should have like that doesn't really exist anymore <laughs> like no. so like in just the, the types of jobs that are available and that are becoming obsolete like it's 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 definitely as a parent now I'm living it in a different way too so hopefully oh, I don't know, I'm not faced with that uh very soon in my own life too uh 
hopefully I, hopefully let me ride off into the sunset here you know i feel like i've run like bob harris and i could just really grind this thing out uh oh, but yeah let's shout out to bob harris <laughs> oh the best absolutely what an awesome human being bob harris is uh but yeah listen uh, you're someone i like i always feel like i have like a, a tie to because of the timing of us and the stuff we did as goofballs ourselves uh, you know coming up and figuring this out on our own and figuring out what our niches were going to be uh so it's great to catch up with you for the holidays i appreciate you let everyone know what's going on uh, at reception perception for the rest of the season and what you have planned in the off season, what they can find for you and, and what you got going on Yahoo sports too, uh, with all the awesome celebrities you can hang out with. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I appreciate you and the, and the respect goes both ways. It's definitely, um, you know, there's a small handful of guys. I feel like that, uh, that kindred spirit with for sure. And, and you're definitely one of them. It's, it's good to be on like, a. It's good to be on the other side and kind of eye roll at things that are like, oh man, we didn't used to do that back in our day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's another show for another time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great to be on with you and I appreciate it, man. But yeah, as for me, um, definitely everyone, hope everybody, I, I talk more than ever these days, uh, host the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast daily. Uh, obviously we have Eckler and all the, the celebrity crowd on on Wednesday, uh, but you know Andy Barron, Scott Pianowski, Dalton Del Don, those guys are still pretty cool too. So uh, you know those are those are the big stars. Those are the big pull. Uh, those three right there. But yeah, we do the show. For, well, not only for one more week are we five days a week because the fantasy season is about to come to an end. So I would hope everybody would subscribe to that. It's a fun show and uh, it would help me personally uh, as as the full time host if you if you subscribe to that. But also receptionperception.com. Um, definitely uh, adding some of these goofballs to the in season tracker, but you know, the season coming to an end. Um, this is definitely one I get because I'm somebody who wanted to ruin my life full time, uh, all year round, not just during the football season. I'll be doing a ton of charting in the off season, getting, uh, hopefully with the do being able to do all this stuff in season for the first time ever, I should be able to get to prospects earlier than ever this year, which I know people are very excited about. Oh yeah. That's, I think the reception perception, the dynasty crowd has really kind of come to you, man. We've, we've really kind of climb down yeah. to reception perception and kind of get letting that be our eyeballs for some early stuff uh because college stuff the data college guys are into the data stuff but like we don't watch every play right and you can only watch so much but you're in here going in some real deep weed stuff so we love that yeah uh, that, that'll put a bow on it you know week 16 good luck to everybody that's trying to make the fantasy finals if you're still playing dfs i hope you hit those cash lines it's christmas time so i hope that someone knocks something over uh, and get some of that Christmas cash back if you don't play any big tournaments. And if you're still alive in any of those best ball manias and everything, hopefully you have the run out that you're looking for. Happy holidays to everybody. We will be back in week 17. 